right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the Bearded Fan Podcast. I am Andrew, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I speak to Milo from Mr. Lucky Tattoos. We talk about tattoos, motorcycles, life in general, and at the end, he tells me a story about an interesting trip that he's planning. Hey, 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 what's happening? It's Friday again. Can you believe it? All these Fridays are disappearing so quickly this year. So yes, this is probably going to be the second last episode of the year. Um, I'm looking forward to the next year. There's some changes coming, so please tune into the next episode where I will tell you uh, about some of those changes that are coming. In this week's episode, I spoke to Milo from Misty Lucky Tattoos down in Cape Town. I recorded this a couple of months ago when I was down there for the DGR. Someone gave me a lead, said you need to speak to Milo, so I decided I would give him a call while I was down there. Uh, he he had a space in his calendar. We sat down, we had a conversation. This conversation went on for almost two hours, and I decided not to edit the podcast because uh, Milo's a very, very interesting guy. I probably could have just you know, sat there and chatted to him the whole day. So I'd love to go back and uh, get a tattoo and also continue the conversation with Milo. But for now, here's this week's episode. I run two companies. The one yes. is uh, Mr. Lucky's Cape Town Tattoos, which okay. is, is me and Ronnie, and I have two apprentices. And then the other is Grease's Garage. And Grease's okay. Garage is, is like a weird sort of... Um, how do you explain this? I mean, it's very difficult because it hark- it pulls on my childhood and it pulls on the things that I find very interesting as well. Okay. And then the childhood being, we've always built motorcycles, even as kids. My, my brother, I have two younger brothers and we'd literally be in the garage all the time. All the time. You know, we'd be building, at, at 16 we were building motorcycles. We were like stripping stuff and building stuff. So and crazy stuff so we were really customizing and doing stuff at that age and um, so that has pulled through but there's also been this a kind of uh, I'm very in, influenced and inspired by the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and all of that past all those eras they really speak to me I love that history I love the music from those eras. Yes. I love the the films and, and the characterizations and the clothing and all of that stuff. So Greece kind of tries to pull all of that together from a design aspect. Okay. Um, and, and because for me that's, if one was to say to me like what is the single most, the single most important theme that runs through and that's design. Okay. Um, I studied fine arts. I, I worked as an art director and creative director in ad agencies. I've shot my own commercials, I've directed my own commercials, produced commercials, worked on motorcycles, painted, you know, tattooed. Yeah. I've been tattooing 31 years now. Oh, wow. So it's, it, all ties to, you, yeah. it all ties together with one thing, yes. which is design. Okay. I mean, 
nothing, nothing we look at, nothing we touch, nothing we feel, nothing we see around us mm. is without design. I mean, whether it's at its minimal basic necessity to its over-designed, it doesn't matter. It, everything we touch has been designed to some to some degree, degree yeah. Absolutely. And for me, Greece has allowed me to take what I do mentally in tattooing and, and, and physically in tattooing and then expand it into, into, as I said, my history and where my interests lie. So we do jeans, we do t-shirts, we do uh, shaving soap, we do shaving brushes, uh, shaving bowls, we do a lot of men's grooming stuff. Okay. Then we do a lot of leather goods, we'll do bags, we're doing um, saddle bags for motorcycles. Uh, we do even travel bags, like uh, duffel bags, duffel bags yeah. stuff like that. So we have a whole range of stuff that we're putting that a lot of is in, in, in production at the moment and will probably start to be rolled out January okay. as a much bigger project. Um, but in the meantime, we're testing stuff, you know, we're just pushing some stuff out there, seeing how people react. I mean, we did some slippers for winter. We did these like woolly slippers, but with cool designs on them. Okay. So they go from being like your average sheepskin slipper Skipper. to something a little bit more cool, a little yeah. bit more interesting. <laughs> And it's that design thing, you know, yeah, it's yeah. adding that little personalized thing, you know, that um, I think makes things just that little bit more desirable. Yeah. And then, you know, custom bikes are exactly that. I mean, I don't delude myself at any point that I know better than some little Japanese guy or yes. some technician in, in Italy or in Germany. I don't. You yeah. know what I mean? What I know is aesthetically what I like. So I can, I can work towards getting there aesthetically. How it rides, well, we'll find that <laughs> we'll out find when we build it. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, that, that, that bike that we talked about with the 21-inch yes. wheels, we can't even get a back tire for that. We have to use a front tire for that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're true. running two front tires Tires. on the bike. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous. Oh. Let me put it you'll find, you'll find you'll out, find like out, you yeah. Who's generally the test pilot? I'm on the this. test pilot. You're the test pilot. You know, I'm old enough to die now, so <laughs> it won't leave that much of an impact on everybody. You know? Yeah. But yeah, you know, I've always, I've always kind of felt that. I've always felt that personalization was kind of where we we would eventually go to again. Yeah, well, I mean, don't you find that that's the way the world is going at the moment? Absolutely. People are tired of the, the brand stuff that you buy in the mall yeah. or the bike that you buy off the showroom floor. Yeah. You know, they want yeah. something a little bit personalized. Yeah, I find, I find that, you know, look, if I think people are looking at personalization in their lives. Yes. They're not like, they're not like if I've got a commute, then I've got a scooter outside. I've yes. got one of these Bergman Suzuki scooters, and that's what I commute on. Yeah, um, it makes sense. Mm. There's no, I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to customize it and do stuff because I want to throw it on the pavement, and I want to. And if I get hit by a car, then I'm not going to worry about it. It's the scooter, you know. Yes, it gets us around. It's easy. You accelerate, you brake, no, no problems, you mm. know. Um, and people will will need that. People will need like the Chinese to mass produce the average shit that they need to use every yeah. day. Yeah. But when it comes to that one piece, those little, that beautiful piece in the house, or that awesome coffee table, or that picture on the wall, or that tattoo, 
then you, people are going to want that. They're going to want that handcrafted edge. They want, you know, something that's personalized, that is much more geared towards themselves yeah. as individuals, not this mass-produced garbage. Mm. You know, and I say garbage, and I say that garbage is like we all get too easily wrapped up in in negating, you know, the mass production. We need mass production. We, it drives the cost down. It does. You yeah. know what I mean. And it does make the customization of things sometimes a little easier because they do the little bits and stuff that if you had to go to a machinist and have it made up, besides the 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 costs in manufacture, the the time constraint costs make things a little bit difficult. So sometimes it's just easier to pull from these things as mm. well. And there is a space for it. That's what I'm really trying to say. So, yeah. There's this space for, for that as well. But there is the tendency to want to see people work with their hands and do stuff mm. with their hands. You know? Yeah. There's a guy, I, I did a course with a guy here. Uh, he calls his, himself the garage. And it's Barry Ashmore. He's out in Somerset West, or well, Stellenbosch, on the Blauklippen Road. Okay. And he runs a metal fabrication course. Um, I mean, he's a... He's a metal fabricator extraordinaire. He really is. I mean, he, he's done stuff that it's gob, it's really it's gobsmacking. I okay. mean, he does. It's just next level, you know. And he doesn't. I mean, he's a humble guy. He doesn't consider himself like a really great, you know. But he goes overseas and he learns in, in, in the states, and then he brings that knowledge back. And he does like beginners courses and stuff. It help guys get into metal shaping again. Yes. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the pre-made part now, yeah. the panel beat is not. He, he doesn't beat a panel. He's okay. a panel replacer. He's not. Yes. A, well, know. exactly. Yeah. 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 So, and and that's where that dichotomy exists. Exists. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where you need the car repair. You can't wait six weeks, weeks for a guy to do it. So you need the <laughs> panel. You know. Yes. Um, but there's room for that guy who who can go in and create like a one-off. Yes. Panel or yeah. fairing that will go onto a bike that people go like, wow. Yeah. That's well, that's good to know because I was um, looking at buying this uh, old Land Cruiser earlier this year, and the biggest problem was it's the 60 series. So at the back, common area where they rust, it's like, ah, I'm going to find someone to make a panel. Not a problem. Either. Yeah, well, but that's what I'm saying. Nice as long as you know the right people, you know. The nice thing with the Land Cruiser is that the panels are actually quite flat. Yes. So it's not a lot of bending. Bending, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that bending, you probably is more like folding. Yeah. Than it is actually shaping. Exactly. Yeah. So I think yeah. you actually, yeah. I mean. I so should. Yeah. Anyway, I saw, I saw, uh, I saw um, a Land Cruiser like that in um, in Frontier yesterday, and I was like, damn, I should have bought that Land Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. but it's like you say, but it's good to have to know who those people because yeah. they're. Uh, People are starting to um, appreciate older vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. And then, like, you, you know, you pick up one that's got a bit of a rust problem. You want to be able to find someone that can actually make you a one-off panel like that. The, the thing with Barry, the amazing thing with Barry is he doesn't want you to come with that car to his place. Oh, really? No, no, no. no. He wants okay. you to come to his place. Place. And, and he'll learn. teach you for over, over <laughs> Make like your own that. panel. And you'll literally go home and make your own panel. Oh. Nothing wrong with that? It's a skill, you know, if you can do that, yeah. it's a skill that's unbelievable. I mean, the, the BMW, the cafe racer that you were looking at, that tailpiece, that section made, like, in an afternoon, the basic shape. Okay, yeah. it took a little bit of time getting it perfect, yeah. but 
it literally, you know, I mean, I'm a novice. I'm not even going to pretend I've got a, I've got a sandbag and I've got a couple of mallets. Mm. And with a sandbag and a couple of mallets, I made that tailpiece. Oh, wow. It's not pretty. Mm. It's pretty now because yeah. once we got it to the shape, then we filled and sanded and got mm. it nice and painted it. And it's great. Great, yeah. So, I mean, if you're talking about a panel on a car, I mean, that stuff... It's really, it, there are no complex curves. Yes. They tend to be like a single curve. Yeah. So once you cut the section out and you match the, the curve in the steel mm. and you tack it in, yeah. pretty much there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's just where the really difficult areas are. Where like, mm. the, like on those old 32s, they all go there where the, where the, where the rain channel is. Yes. And the complex curve at the back, yeah. all rust in that area. Those areas are difficult, you know. Yeah. That takes a specialist. Yeah, but exactly. He wants to, his whole thing is wanting to teach you to be able to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And almost carry that on as well. Absolutely. Because I'm sure there will be other people, people that will do that and then will go and teach other people Absolutely. how to do that. So. Look, I mean, <coughs> there's a guy called uh, Steve, Steve, uh, what's Steve's surname now? Sure, he evades me. We did the course together. And Steve, literally has a fact like a warehouse out in Belleville, him, mm. and, him and a mate, and they build 32s, and they build them from scratch, 32 for, like Fords, but with nice V8s and stuff oh, in wow. them and all sorts of ah. cool stuff. And they, yeah, they literally build from scratch. And he came and did that course for that exact reason, because he needed to shape panels and to do panels and get that right. Came in, he did the course, I think he, he subsequently did the course a few more times with Barry to get like really on par with, with like being able to pull stuff off. But they're doing amazing work. I mean, floor panels and stuff like that, which a lot of people like, they, they're afraid of. You know, you say to somebody, gee, the floor panels are gone in the car. Yeah. The car's yeah. fucked, can't yeah. touch it. Next. Yeah. Get an angle grinder, get in there, but go find, buy some sheet metal, put some channels in it to strengthen it and weld it in. Mm. You know, once that's tacked in, even if you don't weld well, if you can just tack it, you can get a guy in with a good, who's a good welder with a yeah. TIG, get in there, just make it all nice and neat for you, paint it up. Yeah. You've got floor panels, you know? And that's something that, like, you would have not even considered taking on if yes. you hadn't known that you could actually do that yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy thing that, like, my, I, was, I was in Colorado uh, in June with my brother um, and we, we were talking about riding and, um, and maintenance and he said, like, too many people, like, he, he owned a bike shop in Houston, a big bike shop, a really great bike shop, um, metric motorcycles, and uh, he did really well for himself. But, you know, he said, people are afraid to, to tackle maintenance. And that mm. should, you shouldn't be afraid of your vehicle. You shouldn't yes. be afraid of touching something in your vehicle. If you, if you remember how you took it off, you, you can remember how to put, put it back, it back on, on again. Yeah. You know? yeah. So you shouldn't be afraid of stuff like that. You should be able to get your hands dirty. Don't, mm. don't worry. You know? And today with the internet, if you forget... I was just about to say, I mean, I think, I think we're very lucky with YouTube and all that kind of stuff. If you've got a bike, got some issue, get on there, ask a question, or yeah. Google it. Nine times out of ten, you're going to find something very really similar. Or, yeah. Yeah. And with the forums and that, you know, if you yeah. pose a question before Absolutely. you know it, you've got a million, well, sometimes exactly. too many. 
too many yeah. responses yeah, to know what, <laughs> what to do, you know. Sometimes it can be a bit confusing. Yeah. You know? yeah. But yes, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I think, I think the internet and the way we do things has become a lot easier. And, and definitely, I mean, we shouldn't be afraid. You know? Yeah, um, and as part of the, fa- I mean, when you own an old vehicle, like a vehicle or a motorcycle or whatever, that's part of the fun of having that, that bike is mm. getting intimate with the bike. There are two, two kinds of people, you know? <laughs> the ones who like to look good, yeah, and then well. the guys who actually want to own the vehicle, you know? Yes. And, and yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a big disparity Spirit, between yeah. the two of them, you know? Um, yeah. But then it keeps, keeps the guys that are happy to maintain those bikes for them, keeps them in business. Oh, absolutely, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good thing too. Yeah. You know? I don't do bike maintenance. Okay. I, I, I mean, I do my own maintenance, but yes. I don't do anybody else. For, for anyone else, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. It's, even the bikes that I've sold, and we've sold about, so far in the past couple of years, we've sold about six or seven. I don't do the maintenance on those bikes. Mm. Like, you, that's the way you bought it, you take care of it. You learn to take yeah. care of it. Otherwise, take it to somebody else, but I take no responsibility for mm. that. You know, what I've built is what I've built. Yes. I'll maintain what I built for myself. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie on the garage underneath some... I, I sold a bike to, to, to a woman who used her heel yeah. to kick the bike into gear. Yeah. Okay. And then kept coming back to me yeah. with the gear lever stripped off. Okay. And I was like, uh, what are you doing? I mean, yeah. how, look, I can... Oh, you know, I put a brand new aluminium one on. Mm. You stripped it. Now, that takes some doing. I don't care what anybody says. That takes some doing. But I put the aluminium one on because I want that to go before the shaft goes. Yes, you know? exactly. And I did put a new shaft into that bike when I built it because it had been a problem before. Um, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't understand why this is happening. I put a new one on. Walked with her out the workshop. We were at the other space then. And she started the bike and then she got on the bike and she literally kicked the bike from like a foot. She kicked it with her heel into gear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Two weeks later, she was back, that one was stripped too. So I found an old metal one. Okay. And I put the old metal one on and I put a tack weld okay. on, the, on the shaft and the, and the thing. So it couldn't happen again. But there's a certain, that's why I want people to don't phone me if the indicators stop working. Yes. Find out why the indicators stop working. <laughs> you know, yes. Get involved, you know. Yeah. Um, but I also don't, maintenance is such a pain in the bum. I don't mind maintaining my own stuff, but yeah. ma- maintaining for, somebody for other else, people, yeah. for other people. Yeah. It's not work that I want to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. when I want to be creating. I, oh, I was just going to say, it's not, creative, it's not really creative work. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there are good mechanics out there. Go to them. You know? mm. That's the guy's job. It's not, yeah. my, it's not what I do, you know, I build custom bar. Mm. And uh, sure, when you get them, they've been through roadworthy, they've been checked, they've been, and I don't mess around and do it properly. It's got to have everything. I mean, that BMW was a nightmare, and I knew it was going to be a nightmare. I had to put a fake harness on for the indicators. Okay. Because the guys at the, at the station will not let the bike through Bike's if through. it's not code. Yes. And they literally take photographs. They've got to photograph the indicators, the headlamps. Oh, really? They've got to, they, they take photographs with everything. So, I mean, the bikes that I put together are put together properly. They work properly. Everything's right. 
it might be a little more difficult to ride than your average bike, but then, you know, well, like it's I part said, of the, it's mm. the charm of it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Mm. I mean, tattooing is what really just keeps me like young and busy, you know. Yes. It does. It really is an industry that does that, you know. Yeah. So how did you swap over from the fine arts, advertising sort of industry I, into tattooing? I I, I I did my apprenticeship in, in Italy, in Bari, a okay. little town. Are you Italy. originally from South Africa? Or I was from? born here, but my parents are from Italy. Oh, are they? Okay. So um, I went up there and uh, after I left, got out of the military and I went to, to Europe. I got into a little bit of trouble and I had to leave, leave town. Okay. Um, and while I was there, I got in with this guy, long story short, I traveled. Uh, through Europe tattooing and uh, New York and and then I came back home and when I when I got back home I mean you couldn't earn a living tattooing you know you just couldn't yeah uh, uh, there was there was so few people getting tattooed I would tattoo in every every opportunity I got but I had to make I had to make a living for myself yeah, yeah. so I started working as an illustrator and then as an art director and then in, in, in the agencies all the time tattooing every opportunity I would tattoo late into the night and weekends and you know constantly working and at both jobs all the time mm. and then you know advertising is a mugs game it really is a mugs game it's very I find it's it's an industry that preys on the souls of young people you know okay you bring people in you use them up and then you toss them Spit out, them out you know, yeah. and bring the ne next batch in and it has its place and it does what it needs to do and that's fine i'd had enough i left and in the process of leaving i got i got the opportunity to do some commercials and i pulled in a partner a very good friend of mine and we we became partners he's dop and uh, directing himself so we went into a small business together and I started directing commercials but all the time pushing the tattooing tattooing as often as I could always okay. you know and was that because it was a passion of yours or absolutely I yeah. mean my first tattoo I was doing my basics here in Youngsfield I was 17 years old because mm. um, I, I my parents had put me in school early so I finished matric I was 17 oh wow um, and uh, I did my basics here at Youngsfield. We AWOLed from, the, from Youngsfield, caught a train from Whitton Station mm. and got off here in Woodstock. There was only one tattoo artist in the whole of Cape Town, Mr. Adams, and his shop was just down the road here. And uh, we all went together. I mean, he tattooed us. He didn't change machines or needles or yeah. tips. He used beer bottle tops for the ink. He didn't <laughs> change one at all. He just kept topping them up. He tattooed about six of us, yeah. without even without Not even, even worrying about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was hooked. Mm. I was hooked, I w like I was hooked on getting tattooed. You know, when I say hooked, I mean it's an addictive. It I, is addictive. I don't like using addictive. Oh, okay. I don't, and the reason I say that is because addiction has this negative negative connotation. connotation. Okay. For me, it, that that threshold. Yeah. Of the first tattoo yeah. once you cross the threshold and you realize just how easy it is to cross that threshold and how little changes once you have then 
walking through the doorway again is easy. It is easy, yeah. You know? So yeah. guys said, well, oh, yeah, once you get the first one, you just like want to get more and it's addictive. No, it's just easier. <laughs> it's just easier. That, that whole mental process you had about having that first one yeah. and that, those angst and worrying and yeah. will it this and is it, am I going to like scream like a girl because I'm getting tattooed. Once you live that, through that. that, that yeah. But I mean, do you think there's... Um, do you think that there's something about the experience, well, you know, the process of getting the tattoo and like your body maybe releasing some sort of endorphins or whatever? Because after my first tattoo, like six weeks later, I was like, I want to get another one. Yeah. Kind of thing. Look, ad admittedly, I mean, it's what runners and, and a lot of super athletes all, all talk about, that yeah. second wind. Yeah. And that really is a chemical process that happens yeah. in your body. It's endorphine, dopamine. All of these these uh, uh, chemicals are released in your system, and mm. and you you do get a high. I mean, it is a high, but it's a cerebral high. It's not, you know. I mean, fuck. If I could put heroin in the in the ink and get everybody hooked yeah. in tattoos, hey, we'd be at it. <laughs> no, you know, that's not that's not the kind of thing, and that's yeah. why it's that that addiction thing. I kind of stay Fair very very I'll, clear. I'll, from, I'll, stay away from you know. Yeah. I just, I just think also it's a very mental process. I think when people think about that very first one and you see what people, and I deal with it every day. Yes. Like I get these requests that sometimes they're frustrating as hell, but you have to remember that people are working through this process. Okay. You know, like, will it hurt? Will it this? Can I, can I, can I use this? Can I, should I eat? Should I drink the night before? Can I drink while? All of these weird kind of things. Questions that they're asking. Yeah, just know. Don't it's know. the unknown. They don't yeah. know. And um, all these programs that have been on TV haven't really informed. They've done a lot more misinformation than, than real information. So people come in with preconceived ideas of seeing people pass out or scream or, you know, and they, they, they're tense. Yeah. They're, they're in a very difficult space. space yeah. And then once they cross over that, once they get beyond that and they feel it and they realize that this is not such a big deal. Mm. And you know, especially today, it's vis being visual, having tattoos on you is much, much less important than it used to be. Yeah. I mean, when I got back, I remember, I mean, you, you were hard pressed to find tattooed people. I mean, the only guys that you saw that were tattooed were the bikers. Mm. And even then, it, it, they, were, they had to be like really rough. Yeah. You know, they kind of one percenters, real one percenters, mm. um, who lived outside of the boundaries of society to be really tattooed. You didn't see hand tattoos. No, no, no. Ta you no. might have seen something on a guy's arm or maybe on a shoulder or something like that, but those guys were rare. Mm. I mean, they were rare. And, then the magazines started to come out. We started to see Skin and Ink and th these, these shops that used to sell bulk magazines and that started yeah. getting lots of those imported magazines in. And that started to perpetuate the business. It started to move forward on that, you know. People yeah. started seeing that Europeans and Americans were getting much larger pieces and much more visible pieces. But it took two decades to get yeah. to the point where we literally, you know, started to see people visibly walking around with tattoos. tattoos yeah. you know? I mean, I remember even in 97 when, I mean, 97 I was in New York, in New York City Limits, it was still underground, it was mm. still banned. 
Oh wow. I think they I think they repealed the law ninety seven, ninety eight. But it was still banned from the forties. What, like getting tattoos? No tattoos. You were not allowed to tattoo in New York City limits. Wow. It was I a complete ban. Yeah, there was a there was a hepatitis outbreak. Oh I see. And and you know, tattoo artists because of the way we work and the way we we quite secretive and keep our things to ourselves and we don't communicate with each other. We don't have a union. We're not mm. like dentists and doctors. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at the practices of those guys in those days, they weren't, they weren't any better than what the tattoo artists were doing. So the hepatitis outbreak could have come from anywhere. But there was no representation for the tattoo artists. So they okay. were easy to, to get the blame. Easy target, yeah. Absolutely. So that being the case, I mean, it is what it is. I, mean, I remember going to spider web studio and literally it, you had to call and then they'd give you directions and then you'd arrive arrived at this blue door then i rang the bell to get in and i got the third degree by some weird little girl then i finally got through that door and had to walk down a passage and up a flight of stairs and then down another passage finally found the studio in the back of this building somewhere mm. you know and the funny thing is from there uh, catching the the, 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 the subway, you, the moment you hit Queens, it was like one tattoo studio after the other. Oh wow! There's no more city limits. It's a yes. It was like tattoo studio, convenience store, tattoo studio, tattoo studio, convenience store. It was crazy, yeah. you know, because yeah. everybody in New York was just traveling out to get yes. tattooed, you know. Um, but there's, there's that charm, you know, there, there was that charm. Um, nowadays it seems that you, know, you can't throw a stone without hitting a tattoo. Tattoos, yeah. yeah. So going back to your story, you were saying um, you were doing, uh, directing um, commercials, commercials and, and stuff, and you were doing tattoos on the side. Yeah. And then what happened after the... I, you know, this country's, the evolution of this country through the apartheid era and all of that played a large impact on my life as well. Um, uh, when you start to now go to sell commercials to ad agencies, um, you know, when you get called in as a director and you reach a certain age and you're a certain color, mm. you know, um, you're talking to young black creatives, you're just never going to, you're never going to, you just aren't on the same wavelength anymore. Okay. You just aren't, you know. So it becomes more and more difficult to, to win because it's always a competitive quote, you know, a competitive pitch. Yeah. There's a commercial, they'll pitch, they'll get three companies in to pitch on it. You go in, you get briefed, you pitch your best pitch and one hopes that one would get that on merit. But you also have to gel with the people that you're going to be working with. There yeah. needs to be a, because it's a, it's a very collaborative thing. And um, yeah, uh, I just got to a point where like I was tired, you know. And the tattooing was, was I was busy tattooing so much more that mm. it was just easy to retreat into, into tattooing again and, and just do what I wanted to do all the time. So did you go from, from that to full-time tattooing? Absolutely. Okay. I opened a studio in Greenside. I had a gallery. Greenside in, in Joburg? In Johannesburg, okay, yeah. Very close to the circle. Um, huh. And... Uh, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I, I had a good time there. I, I then eventually got I got divorced and I moved to Cape Town. And, yes. Uh, I, I worked here for a couple of the studios and 
Um, it just, you know, when you work for yourself, you, you just, you can, you don't deal with other people's shit. You know, mm. it's as simple as that. Yeah. It's not always the easiest thing in the world. You know, and I like, I always find like, people talk about like starting a business and being an entrepreneur, and it's like a, it's difficult. Mm. It's, not, it's not easy at all. And if anybody tells you, oh, it's going to be easier or you're going to do better, you're not. It's never easy. You never mm. stop working. Yes. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I mean, I, we already work six days a week. Yeah. And on Monday is just my day off. We've just been running around catching up. Yeah, exactly. Literally drawing, yeah. Like, plugging holes. So, yeah. I mean, working in the workshop, that's why we open at 12 because I spend the morning in the workshop, mm. you know. Um, it's just how it is. I mean, that's what that's what running your own business in it's these like, times is. Is like, yeah. You know, you know. And maybe with a little bit of luck, you, you 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 do well, and you can actually maybe take a break now and then. Mm. You know. Mm. But for me, people like always. My, I grew up with my father going to work every day, and I could like it was drudgery. Like it was he was going to a salt mine. You yeah. Know. My father was, he was a difficult guy, but, um, you know, as a lot of parents are, and um, it was difficult. I, I watched, I watched this man, like, go to work and come back and literally get inebriated every night. Mm. And then in the morning, get up and go to work again, you know, and it felt like, it felt like a life sentence, you know. It yeah, it was like almost like being in prison you know? in a way. Yeah. And for me, I mean... I just, I've never felt that way about work, never, mm. you know. Um, if I felt that way, I always changed, you know, whether it was shifted the emphasis from one to another or, but I've always felt like happiest when I was working, you know. I always got like, my ex-wife was always like, we never go on holiday and I was like, I don't need a freaking holiday, mm. you know. I'm on holiday every day. <laughs> this is I'm having fun doing what I do. Yeah, you know, and I still feel that way. That's know? great. I mean, that's I'm, and that's why I say this keeps me young because I, I get to deal with young people, and I, I'm constantly being influenced by young people coming into the studio, wanting new stuff, and pushing me, and me pushing myself, and looking at what others are doing, and then trying to reinterpret how I'm seeing things. And this is, keeps me going. going this yeah. keeps me excited. You know. That's great. Um, and that's where I want to be, you know, mm. I want to be excited, I want to be like, I want to get up in the morning and, and we do, we do, a, this weird, it's not weird, I mean it's normal, it's, for us it's normal, we get up at, at six, well, get up at like quarter to six, we're in the car, by six we go out to Camps Bay, to the tidal pool, yeah. and we swim at like six okay. caddy. Awesome. Fucking freezing. I'm, I'm sure it is. It's like having in the culture. Yeah. Oh. It's look, we you know, it's this weird thing. A, f a friend of mine read a thing about like habits of, of successful people. Yes. And the one was making your bed in the morning. The other was making lists, and the other was uh, taking a cold, cold shower. shower. Yeah. So we started, and it, it's amazing. Uh, mm. It's it's that that tattoo first time thing. Yeah. It just wakes Get a you bit up. Of a it gives you a good thing, yeah. kick, you know, and. For us, that's like, and it's that thought process of being invigorated by yeah. fresh things, fresh ideas all the time, you know. Mm. And I think those are the things that help me a lot. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's also nice having those kind of habits, you know, like sort of like those habits that you keep you 
on the straight and narrow, like I'm, I've got into this habit now of going to gym every morning. Yeah. Whereas before I was battling to find time to go to gym and all that kind of stuff because I would, like say, I would go after work or whatever and it just wasn't working for me. And then one day I said, well, I really want to go to gym, not to lose weight or to be fit or mm. anything, it's just, just a bit of like, almost Switch like, hormones, yeah, yeah it's, you know, control a bit of the stress and that mm. kind of thing. Mm. And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? The only way I can do it, I've got to go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning yeah. so that I can get home, shower, get ready, go to work kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. That's quite heavy, you know, to get up at half past four in the morning, every morning, to yeah. go to gym. And I thought, oh, well, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow. And I go, huh? no, I'll do it tomorrow. Before I knew it, I'm like doing it four or five times a week, regularly. Um, and and it's now it's become a habit. And all I'm doing is I'm doing 30 minutes of cardio on the, on the bike. Yeah. Nothing hectic, yeah. but it's just also having that habit yes. of doing it is just part of the sort of almost discipline that that whole thing of those those um, those habits mm. um, there was a the, I've suffered depression mm. I, I have post-traumatic stress disorder from being from military military yeah and um, um, I, I I suffered depression I've had depression for 35 years okay um, and for me that Getting up and doing that, starting that day with a win in the, like a tick in the win column, yep. propels the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. And I can literally feel it. Like in the days that I'm like knackered and I can't get up, it, I'm on a downer the whole day. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm medicated and all that shit. But if I can, if I start the day achieving, mm. then that whole day is like a freight train on a roll. You know, I get stuff done and. We're in the pool by 6.30, we're home by 7. Already by 7, I can fill the washing machine, doing that. Yeah. By you 9 o'clock, I've had a full day. Yeah, you know exactly. What, I mean? yeah. what pe- most people see as a full day, I've done. Done, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And it feels great. It does. Done that, it yeah. sets you up yeah. to be to be achieving, you know, and that's a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, as I've gotten older, I've, I've, I've realized how necessary it is for me. Yeah. No, well, I know also, you know, as I've got older, I've realized that these kind of things are um, important to have these like sort of almost like rituals in a way. Yeah. But like you don't have to be like anal about it. No, no, no. But no. And there's flexibility within it. Absolutely. But it's just like I've now learned what other things that get me through. Mm. Like you're talking about something I also had my issues with mm. depression and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's the way I manage it, is to, there's certain things that I know that I have to do to be able to function. get through the day. Yeah, yeah. function. Yeah. And that for me is it like, you know, a lot of people like are looking for answers and things. And it's so weird that a lot of that stuff is really simple stuff. Mm, you know, they're is, not yeah. really big, big answers. They're actually very simple. Yeah. Um, I watched an amazing guy on, on YouTube, a guy called Wim Hof. I got put on to him by a guy who did his course here. Apparently they did a course here in Cape Town this year, early this year. And they've, they've done them a, a, f- a few years in a row, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Quite expensive. But he's this, this ice man, this guy that oh. swims under the, oh, yeah, yeah. the ice flows. And okay. yeah, I mean, he climbed the ha- halfway up Mount Everest in shorts and sandals. I mean, he's... And the crazy thing is, 
when they tested him, they said he was like, okay, he's a freak of nature. You know, it's not normal. Yeah. He took 12 people and he literally taught them the same processes that he puts himself through. And um, they, they gave them each, they, gave, they took like 140 odd people, they gave them a virus that made them like salmonella, make them ill. And him and the, those 12 people metabolized that virus within 15 minutes, like literally killed off the virus. What? Yeah. He, he talks about this breathing method and, and working through the cold. Uh, at un, he unlocks the, the, the spinal column. Oh, okay. And it's, it's a lot to get into. Yeah. You might want to watch it yeah, sometime. No, no, very interesting character. Very, mm. very interesting character. But um, we found that, that with the cold water immersion in the mornings, less, less flu, um, I get ill a lot less, my mm. joints feel much better. All of those things, I feel much, much more invigorated yeah. and I feel healthier doing it every morning. So there's definite benefits to benefits, cold water yeah. immersion. Yeah, um, yeah. And this is well known. Well documented, I mean, it helps your immune system, your blood flow, all of these things. The amazing thing with him is, this university then took him and they put uh, um, sensors on his body mm. to measure his body temperature and his skin temperature. And they put him in a bath of ice. He started to, to warm his body up, they started to melt the ice. They had to keep pouring more and more ice in to try and get readings of what was going on. So. You, you can definitely control your body through your mind and your breathing. Mm. How, he, how he achieves it, I, I don't quite know yet and I haven't done a course and I'd yeah. like to do one next year if they do come down. But there's definitely something in, something it. He keeps, in there. Yeah, yeah. He keeps saying that the cold is the teacher. The cold mm. is the one that teaches you how to... And I found that, that we took a break through winter because I was in Colorado for a month. And then when we came back, getting back into the water was like, the first time I got in, it was like, oh my God, what am I doing? By the second time, I was back yeah, to the water. Because it was all in the breathing. The first time I jumped in, I just like I freaked out. I didn't think about my breathing. And I struggled. The mm. moment I got in the second time, I just leveled my breathing off and it was fine. And the crazy thing is, he says, you know, we talk about like, all the people that died on the Titanic, when the Titanic went down, these people that were exposed to the water and that. We don't talk about how many people survived that. Yeah. That's North Sea Ocean. That's like almost freezing. Yes. There are people that were in the water for a whole night and survived. Sure. That says something about the yeah. mental state. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. So, um, very interesting guy. Check him out. Yeah, I'll check oh, it out. Yeah. Very interesting guy. Obviously, you know, combined with a lot of yoga and meditation and all of yeah. these things, it, it makes for an interesting... Yeah. Do you meditate? Have you ever tried it, got into it, you know, it hasn't worked for you? I struggle a little bit, you know, because like, yeah. and I don't know if I'm... I, I, I've never really spent enough time, I've listened to all these tapes and things mm. like that, and I've, I've, <laughs> the thing I've struggled most with is they keep saying to me, clear your mind. Yeah. Like, no, it's impossible to care. Uh, I, I've tried. Yeah, I just yeah. I, can, I can push stuff out for like a yeah. little moment and that, bef yeah. but before you know it, something's creeping in from the other side. Yeah, you know? yeah. So 
What I have been able to do is is to work on my breathing. Yes. You know? yeah. And that for me has helped me kind of almost bring myself into a much calmer state. So if that is what one considers meditation, then yes, I do meditate. Yeah, because I think yeah. a, a large part of uh, meditation is breathing. Yeah. Or they use the breathing technique to yeah. focus. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's where I put my mind to. Yeah. Um, but there's still so much. Mm. Like so many mice on, on these wheels <laughs> running around, you know, that it's yeah. difficult, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, um, what, I, what I tried was, uh, I started meditating Did as you? well when I started getting into the gym thing. What I found works well for me is uh, go to gym, come home, shower, then I meditate because I'm now I'm nice and relaxed. Okay. And in the beginning, I also had the same thing where there's just so many, there's just so much. And uh-huh. there are days that you you have that where, and you just got to accept. Well, today is one of those days where my the mice are running around mm. in the head. But um, I use one of these apps on yes. my phone called Headspace, and uh, they've got these guided meditation. They start off with basic and they get you to advanced. And also, you know, when I'm starting, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just working because my mind's. But after a while, I started realizing that I actually had the ability to almost like capture those thoughts. So like if my mind does go off in a tangent, I'd be able to capture it and like, uh, not contain it, but um, pull myself back. Corral it a little Yeah, I realize that I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. getting, going down the rabbit hole yeah. and be able to bring it back. Because I mean, like, you know, uh, when life is, yeah. things are on your mind and you close your eyes for about five minutes and, you know, and then after a while, you're like you're you're thinking about that problem. Absolutely, you're already trying to solve it in your head, yeah. and I just found it a lot easier to catch myself on it, and then just reframe it back to. And I suppose it doesn't work for everyone. I um, find I, I'm able to do that. That's yeah. what I'm able to do. I'm able to kind of, as I start to wonder, then I'm able to bring it back. Back, yeah. It's the 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 other thing that I found is that the breathing has helped me not think about that too much. Mm. Um, because I'd get frustrated with that and that's where it was starting to fall apart for me was this like needing to to keep everything and then actually getting freaked out by having to corral everything you know yes. I mean? yeah. instead of actually just like hey it's mm. okay you know, let it go it's fine yeah, yeah. You know? um, and the breathing like focusing on, on actually getting that breath in and he, he doesn't do, uh, Vimov doesn't do that yoga thing where it's that deep, 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 deep breath and then that long, long exhale. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's making you hypoxic. Yeah. So he, deep, 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 deep breath in, shallow out. And then yeah. deep, 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 deep breath in. So you're almost getting over-oxygenated. Nated, yeah. Which is, is actually quite dumb. Even get, I get goose flesh just thinking just about it. Just thinking about it, yeah. Because yeah. it really kind of... When you flood mm. your body with that much oxygen all the time, you mm. kind of you get very light-headed. light-headed yeah. And he says to you straight off, like if you, because uh, I've I've done the video, I watched yeah. it, and, and he says to you, if you feel light-headed, that's cool. You're doing it right. You're mm. you're in the right area. Keep going. You know, work through that. Mm. Um, and that's how I've managed to kind of, as you do, said, corral those kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you know, good. That's you know. great. Yeah. I think I think I think. People um, need to find out what works for them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always that person. I don't know. I know how to help you. You know, yeah. I realize, okay, but hang on a second. What works for me doesn't always work for everyone absolutely. else. Like you say, you know, let them know about 
let them go and investigate it. Yeah. Let them try it themselves. Yeah. Find out what works for them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's that it's that, that we want to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Can't solve everyone's problems. problems yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, that's just being a gregarious person. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I'm that too. You know, I'm often like maybe a little bit bombastic that way. But yeah. Mm. We try not to. I yeah. don't catch myself. Yeah. So yeah. talking about that, when you're doing tattoos, I mean, you like you, um, like you say, you get to know these people in a particular way because they come to you and they've got these concerns about getting a tattoo and and whatever. And I'm sure you get to know them a little better. And they come, and they've got an idea of a design. You help them with that, I'm sure. Uh, and then when you're doing their tattoo, I mean, what's the conversation like? Is it just like? It's, is it different? Different people have different things. Uh, yeah. Do they get a little bit? If it's their first time, they're a little bit excited and they're a little bit chatty. Or I try and play with those people. I try and like I try and push them and bring them back. Push them and bring them back. Yeah. So that they stop thinking about what I'm going to be doing. Okay. Um, so often, like, I'll toy with them. I'll play with the fact that it's going to be excruciating, and I'm going to be <laughs> like, and then I'll be like, no, no, and then I'll explain better what the process is trying to bring down the anxiety levels. Yes. I mean, I've literally seen people pass out at the sound of a machine. Oh, really? Yeah, literally. Because they got themselves so hyped up, I'm so, sure. So, yeah, such anxiety, but literally not even in the shop, like in the reception area, <laughs> you know. Like, so anxious about what was about to happen, bzz, poof. Yeah. Out. And, you know, they're out for like seconds, you know. Mm. It's like, they come around and, oh, what's happened and all of that. But I try and work with those fears. Um, with fresh, with fresh new people getting tattooed, I try and keep it light the whole time. You know, mm. try and dispense as much information, but trying to keep it light the whole yes. time. Yeah. There are clients that I've I've been working on for years. You know, mm. and those guys, it's like come in. Oh, it's like having family around. You yeah, know? we sit and we chat, we catch up on what's mm. been happening in their lives. Um, there are clients that just don't communicate. You know, oh, okay. there are clients that will come in that. We'll just sit there and grin Don't and bear say we're nothing. Yeah. You know. And a lot of the times I'm that guy as well because like they might want to talk, but the piece is so like absor yeah. absorbing of my concentration, concentration yeah. that I can't. That, yeah. You know, like I can take a break and chat a bit and then mm. when I get back I'm there, you know. Yeah. Um I've always I've always like I've always felt that Taking too much time away from tattooing on a client is disrespectful, firstly, to your client. Secondly, you're putting somebody in a certain amount of pain. And to actually leave them and go and do something and come back, or whatever the case is, break, I find that that just heightens the whole thing, especially with, with people who new into tattooing, mm. getting new pieces and no young. So like I've known tattoo artists that like go and smoke and, and I don't get that. You know, yeah. I just don't get it. Um, you have my attention, I'm here to do a job. Mm. Um, and I'm lucky enough that you've chosen me to be able to do something, my art, because without that person, I can't do what I love doing. Yeah, exactly. You know? So for yeah. me, that's a deeply respectful area to be working. And then you are working with the largest organ on, on the body. body so yeah. you, need, you need to be aware of that the whole time and how it's changing and how the passage of time is going to alter that person's state of mind and state of being. So mm. 
Yeah, what, what I try and do is when you can feel it with a client, when you feel this tenseness and they're having a hard time, then focusing and concentrating and getting it done as timelessly as possible is the best. Is the best, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of that, it, it, that's years of experience. It's just reading clients and reading people and understanding what they're going through. I've seen so much of it that I, I'm generally pretty good at reading how they're feeling and how they're doing. Um, I get caught out as well every now and then, you know, sometimes, you know, you just don't understand what's happening and mm. somebody starts like talking to you halfway through a line and moves and you've got to grab them and bring them back or something, back, yeah. you know, and that happens, you know, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, you know we, mm. we're not machines and they aren't either, you know, yeah, I mean? exactly, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, for me, I, when I was in advertising, my, the, I had a copywriter, older, much older guy than me, and uh, he always used to say to me, this is a shit job. He said, why? He said, like, because every morning you get up and you look in the mirror and you shave, and you don't know whether you're going to be able to achieve your job today. Mm. So you're not canning peas. You've got to come up with a concept. What if mm. you can't come up with a concept today? Yeah. What happens? Mm. You don't know if you can do your job today. And I always thought like, you know, he had a point, but I never, never really, that was never an issue for me, you know. Mm. I'm an art director, so I'm visual, you know. Yeah. Uh, if we can get off on a tangent, I can put visuals to it, you know what I mean? I can, I can always like make it look pretty, you know. It might not say much, but it'll look nice, you know. Um, and when it came to tattooing, that was a major thing for me because there's so many variables all the time. time yeah. People don't appreciate that. Yeah. Know? As different as you look to me, so is your skin to mine. Yes. And there is a general uh, thing that will happen to everybody when the needle hits the skin, but that's not a given. That's not a given. And you might have to alter the way you work just slightly for it to be a comfortable tattoo and a successful tattoo for that client. Mm. So you never know. I mean, nine times out of ten, there's no problem. Mm. Some days, sure, you get clients in who they just they don't sit well, they're uncomfortable, they don't handle pain well, and their skin starts to react because everything oh, really? that's happening inside their heads yeah. is now transferring yeah. into their skin and they start like pulling away and their skin starts like rejecting ink and we talk about a term in tattooing called the skin turns okay and the skin becomes like your skin is elastic yeah you can literally feel it when the needle is popping into the skin you can literally feel that rebound that beautiful rebound of a, of a tattoo machine in the skin it's like oh really it's like wow. it's like you feel it in your left hand okay it's Gorgeous! It's amazing. Yeah. The sound is absolutely amazing. Yeah. This is my cat Monmon. He needs to be <laughs> around me all the time. That's cool. Um, and you can feel that. It's you feel it, and then you can feel like the skin turn, and it starts to. It doesn't rebound. It's like thuds. It's like the skin has become like putty. Oh. It has lost. It loses that elasticity. So it almost. It's like you were hitting. If you took a, a like a balloon, yeah, and you took the vellum of a balloon, yeah, and you ran the machine on it, yeah, that rebound, it's like using plasticine. 
Oh, wow. It I just, didn't even know it like thuds in there. And the trouble with that is that elasticity actually helps retain the ink in the skin. Okay. The process of tattooing is the needle's not hollow. It's not injecting ink in the skin. Mm. This, the, the ink coats the needle. Mm. So as the needle punctures, the skin tightens around it because it creates a vacuum. Mm. Because of the elasticity, it does that. Yeah. And then as the needle is extracted, that tightening holds the ink. The moment that stops happening, that's not tightening anymore. So less ink is staying in and a lot more is coming out. So you have to alter the way you work. You have to shift the angle that you're going, that you're working in. Maybe attack from another. Instead of working up, you'll work down. Just gently shifting. And mostly by the time that's happened to the skin, you just, you're not, not, not long before you need to call it. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. And this normally happens with pieces that go on like for, uh, several oh, for hours. hours. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, it's not something that happens with a small two-hour piece or yeah. stuff like that, you know. Um, but it does happen. And it can happen quickly. If a client is very stressed, and it can happen immediately. Mm. It can happen within the first 20 minutes. Wow. Um, but that's quite rare. I mean, it's quite rare because most people come here wanting a tattoo, you know, mm. wanting to deal with it, expecting to have to go through a certain amount of discomfort. Discomfort, yeah. yeah so... That's interesting. I've, yeah. I've learned something new today. Yeah, the skin turning, I mean, you know, I don't know how many people think about that. Yes. Um, also, I don't know how many people have done real apprenticeships in this country. Uh, well, yeah. You know, um, these are things you learn from your mentor, you know. Mm. Your, they're not things that you learn on the job because you don't, if you don't know what to look for, you won't realize, you yes. will not feel it, you will not yeah. know what you're feeling. And you will not know what's happening. You know? yeah. So um, it's one of the it's one of the downsides of what's happened in tattooing. Mm. You know, guys get on the internet. They have these Chinese sites. They're buying a full studio set up for like a thousand rand. Yeah. You must know that the quality of everything is just shit. Shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are guys offering three hundred rand tattoos. Yeah. I can tell you now that. To run my station here, yeah. to set up for a tattoo, 300 rand doesn't cover it. Oh wow. If we talk rent, lights, electricity, uh, the consumables, wear and tear, everything, 300 rand does not cover the setup of my, mm. of my station. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking also about uh, medical waste removal, running the proper sterile procedures, all of these things. Mm. It can't happen for 300 bucks. So I say to people, like, if you're being charged 300 rand for a tattoo and everybody else is charging about 1,000 rand for that same piece, mm. why is that guy charging you that much? Where is he cutting corners? Mm. Is he cutting corners where it hurts him or is he going to cut corners where it hurts you? Something to think Good about. Good point, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and having said that, there are guys that will do free, like, uh, specials and stuff. I'm not... I'm not Knocking that. Knocking that, you know, yes. not at all. But there are guys that, I mean, I remember driving down a street here in Cape Town. There was like a sign on the side of the road, 300 rand tattoos. Mm. Well, if a guy's doing 300 rand tattoos, then run a mile. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not going to be a good tattoo. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, I mean, that was something that Candy had said when we were talking about it was um, like, why, you know, if you're going to get a tattoo, you know, why worry about the cost of the tattoo? In other words, 
You want to be, one, yeah, you want to go, because I mean, it's something that's going to be in your body for the rest of your life. There are implications if this, you know, it's not sterile, the guy's not using, you know, they're not hepatitis. cleaning stuff, hepatitis and all that kind of stuff. You know, it kills more people in Africa than AIDS. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean? It's crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it, that is a very valid thing and it's something that always comes up in a studio. You mm. know? Uh, people, I, I literally get six, seven calls a day. Mm. Uh, how much do you, is your minimum? Yeah. And tell them, uh, no, sorry. Mm. You know, yeah. this is price hunting. Yeah. You know, I get these blanket emails. I want to get this tattooed, and I look at the CC, and they've CC ten of the studios in Cape Town. Yeah. It's just price hunting. Yeah. You know? exactly. yeah. And I'm not going to. I don't even bother to respond to those because it's mm. pointless. Um, and price hunting, I understand. You know, mm. everybody wants a deal. Yeah. Everybody wants a deal. But, man, you know. Yeah. It's like customizing your car and then deciding to go like on the cheap paint that'll fade in five years. Yeah. It's like, fuck it, rather just leave it, you know. Yeah. It, exactly. It's one of those things. It's, uh, yeah, when it comes to that sort of thing, it's, it's like, it's not a good idea to cut corners. It just mm. isn't, you know. I mean, but people do it all the time. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do it all the time. Unfortunately. You see you see it in the in the beauty industry. You see it in this uh, this whole like um, plastic. Yeah, implant, cosmetics. Cosmetics. And, yeah, like Botox. Yeah, and, and all of this. You see people going to like parties at people's houses where they're shooting this shit into their faces and that, and you don't know what the results are going to no, be. Exactly, you know, yeah. just don't no, exactly. Yeah. And what? Yeah. Recourse if there ever was recourse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. I mean. Because I mean, for you, I'm sure it's your reputation. I mean, you. I mean, your that, business. Besides that, I mean, we have very real, very, very real issues with fucking up on somebody, you know. Mm. I mean, I had to fire an apprentice uh, a while ago because of that. And um, I mean, it's real damage to my business. It cost mm. me 18,000 rand to remove laser removal. Oh, my word. Yeah, because Yo. of an apprentice who, first of all, didn't, the biggest issue is we have an indemnity form. Yes. It indemnifies us from anything. Yes. You sit down, you get tattooed, you sign that form. form. From there on, you're on your own. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I can control so much, but I can't yeah. control what you do afterwards and how you sit in the chair and things like that. Yeah. There are too many variables. Yeah. So I can't take all the risk. This uh, apprentice of mine, been with me about a year, has tattooed herself because nobody, nobody passes an apprenticeship in my studio without having tattooed themselves successfully. If you don't know what you're doing to people, then you're not tattooing anybody. Yeah. You know? um, tattooed herself successfully, brought friends in, tattooed them successfully. The first client she got in messed that up completely. Oh, wow. And the, the tragedy of that situation was like, I said to her, this is a delicate tattoo. Why don't I do this tattoo? No, 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 I've got this. It's like... Are you sure? And I mean, I literally asked her about four or five times. Mm. Literally, while she was tattooing, I asked her three or four times as well. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Didn't stop. Just kept fucking up. Mm. Just kept going. And not just badly, like really, really badly. I know. So, I mean, I had to agree. Well, the worst part of the fuck-ups is... Format and been signed. Mm. The chick wanted to sue me, so I had to pay for all the laser removal. 
Um, and it's a very valuable lesson that I look. It's something that we've always instilled in the studio. And since then, if a client sits down mm. and they haven't signed a form, even my client does sits down and hasn't signed a form, the apprentices are fired because that's their job. The first thing they do when somebody walks into the studio, sign the form. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's for you? Um, Nikki will get that. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So that's the very first thing they do, you know, and it's just how it is. I mean, I try. So, yeah, t so let's talk about all the things that, as a tattoo artist, you need to have in place for yourself, I mean, for your, about the sterilization. So, like, if someone's listening to this now and they've never had a tattoo before and they want to get a tattoo and they've got some, they would, the kind of questions they would ask you if they were to phone in, to ask about a tattoo, you know, what would you tell them in terms of okay, this is the process, you know, these, you know, you know, this is where the needles are coming from. This is how we. Well, w what we, what we, our, our system of sterilizer, we have a, we have a, uh, we only reuse one part of our equipment, which is the grip and the tip. Okay. And the stem. That, yeah. The only thing that's that we that that we. We reuse, Re reuse yeah. and they go from use. They're going to a ster sterilizing solution, okay. and from there um, they go into a cleaning solution, and then they clean by hand. Okay. So the apprentice sits and literally cleans every single piece by hand. Okay. Once that's done, it's huh? it's cleaned, it's uh, rinsed down, mm. and it goes back into a sterilizing solution. Then it comes out of there and it goes into an ultrasound. The ultrasound has a, uh, it vibrates at such yeah. a high frequency and pulls all the, through the particles. Yeah. So it does that, it goes through the ultras, ultrasound. Once it's through the ultrasound, it's dried, it's air dried. Mm -hmm. And then we bag them and then they go into the autoclave. Okay. And then they're cla claved in the autoclave. Once they're claved in the autoclave, they come back into the studio, mm. bagged, sealed. Okay. And they're opened for the client on at the time of yes. tattooing. Yeah. Needles are all pre-sealed. Yeah. We get them pre-sealed, and that's all also open before in front of the client. In front of the client. Yeah. You know, obviously medical waste, sharp spins, medical waste, all of that stuff has to be gotten rid of by a company. Yes. And we use BCL. They come in weekly, come in and remove all our medical waste. Um, but there are like procedures in the studio, like everything is covered in cling film. Um, on top of the cling film we have medical bibs or linen savers or what, whatever we need to protect equipment and to bag equipment and stuff like that. So your power pack is bagged, um, your clip cord is bagged, all your all the stuff that you would touch in the process is yes, bagged. Bang, yeah. And obviously once we've tattooed every, and the station is broken down, all of that stuff is sterilized with a surface sterilizer again. Mm. So it's a double process all the time. Yes. So from, from like, if we're going to talk about tattooing from a medical point of view or an invasive uh, procedure on the skin, we try and over sterilize. Yeah. Before we, the client arrives, the studio, like the whole workspace that we're in is sprayed down with a surface steriliser. Then the studio is set up, the workstation is set up, and in the process of setting up the workstation before the cling film goes down, 
we spray with a sterilizer so it sits underneath the cling film and adheres the cling, cling film to the surface as well. So we build levels of sterilization. Mm. Then while working, obviously, there's a, there's, there's a, certain, impotent, the, you know, a certain importance in, in the tattoo artist's technique. You can't mm. poke yourself. You've got to be careful. You know? yes. Don't think about what you're doing. You mm. know? I've seen tattoo artists that are so close to the tattoo that you know, and aren't wearing masks and glasses and stuff like mm. that, which under normal circumstances is not really an issue, but a little splatter and you could have, you could have a problem. Yeah. So um, we don't use masks. I wear my glasses because I need to, otherwise I can't see a fucking thing. <laughs> um, but I don't wear a mask, but then I don't tattoo that close. I'm yeah. actually quite far away when I tattoo because yeah. that's the, the, the good working uh, distance for me. Yeah. So I don't really feel like I need that. Um, mm. But I know guys, guys insist on it. There are some people that, you know, some tattoo artists insist on wearing them and that's fine. Mm. Fair enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I do believe that we overcompensate because mm. we're not a, r a regulated industry. I do feel that we maybe go. I think, I think those tips and grips, once they've been through the sterilizing solution in the beginning, mm. are pretty sterile. Yes. You know what I mean? They don't need all those other processes. But because we're unregulated and unprotected, We'd rather go the whole hog. Hulk, yeah. Something happens, say, so hang on a moment, it didn't happen here. Because mm. I can show you the process. Yeah. And that's good. You know, the autoclave is spore tested, have the tests, everything. There's no issues, you know? So it does build a little bit of security for us because, mm. believe it or not, we're the ones at most risk. I mean, yeah, I can make sure. this place as sterile as I want. I don't know where my clients are being. Mm. You know, I don't want my client does in his own time. Mm. And it could be a crazy junkie who's sharing needles with everybody. Mm. I don't know that, you know. Yeah. And even though we do, in our indemnity form, uh, state that you need to tell us of any pre-existing conditions, I mean, I've had, I've had AIDS cases come in and not tell me. Yeah. You know, and they're not a problem. You know, I don't know what the big deal is because AIDS is such a fickle virus; it won't mm. stand that tattooing process. Yeah. Um, it, it dies before, you know, um, but that's not the point. It's mm. there in the, and people just don't. Don't, you know, yeah. You know. I had his girlfriend's sister come to me and like, dude, you tattooed the guy, do you know he's HIV positive? But he didn't say a word, you know. Mm. Um, and that's, like I said, we ask that you do, but how, yeah, many, you, pe how many people do you know? You've got no control of would know that they have hepatitis. Yeah, they have hepatitis. Yeah, you know, exactly. just the guy's feeling sick, and who knows? You, it, that could be your unlucky day. Mm. So we we have no control over them, but we can control so ours. Yourself, yeah. So we're at risk. Mm. You know, not the client. The client can only contract what he already has. Yeah, can't. Not from here. It can't go that way. Yeah, it come this way. So we need to we need to be very careful with with things yeah, like sure. that. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what the medical waste removal and all of that's about. But, it's, yeah. It's about protecting us. Yes. You know, and, you know, the environment and, mm. you know, you throw that shit in the garbage, who knows where it ends up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it has to be incinerated and gotten rid of. Yeah. yeah. And um, your style, style of tattoo, I mean, have you got a particular Look, style that you like to do or? I've, I've always been known for my color work. Like okay. Everybody's always like, 
if they talk about my work, it's really bright, bold colour. And it's always been that way. And traditional work is always, for me, being the foundation of what we do as Western tattoo artists. Mm. It's our history. It's where we come from in tattooing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not Polynesian or Marcasian or Japanese or Oriental or whatever they choose to call it these days. There's so many things. Um, so for me, that is my history in tattooing and that's what I love to tattoo and I love those images. I love those old like military uh, styled salajeri kind of things. Yes. And that's a bit of a cliche. I mean, um, I, 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 I love that style of work. I, I really mm. do. But I love oriental work and I've done a lot of oriental work. And I've recently started doing like some crazy oriental work. Um, um, I've taken almost like oriental prints and then kind of reworked them in almost a cubist sort of graffiti style okay. of, of, of putting it together, but on like a massive scale, mm. you know, like um, that piece there is a back piece that I'm busy with at the moment. Okay. That same wow. one. So you can see that like, I mean the lines we're literally having to put tram lines and filling the lines with black. So just getting the lines done takes yes. one session, you know, yeah. just, just to yeah. get those lines in. And that was four hours. And then we'll start to fill the hair. I've got to do the hair and that, that thing on his head, that kind of mm. bum bum. That needs to be done next. So, but it's, that's his whole back. It's one wow. face, you know, so it's bold and it's like um, really amazing, mm. fat, fat lines with playing also with the printing process. Um, I mean, if you if you see like the deregistered prints where the black is printed and yes. the colors just slightly just like off. The off yeah. um, I'm doing the Japanese kitsune, the fox with the nine tails. Okay. I'm doing one with that where I've misregistered the color. Yeah. So I've left gaps. So when you when you when I put the color in, it'll look like it's shifted underneath yeah. the black. So just trying to come up with new, new stuff, stuff, you know what yeah, I mean, like stuff, stuff that, yeah. that I think people will look at, look at and go like, wow, that's mm. interesting, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean, like the ideas for that, I mean, where do they come from? Did your I client come to you and say, listen, I'm looking for something, this is my basic idea and you propose that I, idea to them or how do you? I saw, I saw the, there's this tattoo artist that I know, uh, well, I don't know him, but I've, I know of him, he was down here a couple of years ago. His name is Davy Blows. He does this very graffiti style kind of work, and but he, he does like these panthers, these big black panthers that he oh, does okay. with these like very bold lines in it. And when I saw that, I thought like, wow, that's very interesting. Um, and he he's done some other Oriental pieces, but he hasn't really explored like that whole sort of angled cubist. He kind of blows stuff up, and um, I liked I like where he was going. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I like, the, I really like his style of work. So I thought, I wonder how they would translate in my way, you know, and, and blocking stuff up so that it wasn't that nice kind of edged curve and yeah. sort of thing that it was much more chunky and what it would translate like. Mm. So I sat down and I worked through about six or seven pieces. Okay. You know what I mean? And just slowly put them together. And then I've been putting them on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and um, the one, this one was taken by a guy, and the kid soon is on a woman. Okay. Which I, I mean, I'm 11 hours into her, and 
We haven't even finished all the black work yet. Oh, wow. So, so what you're saying is that you came up with this idea, you've posted it out there on Instagram, yeah. and someone's approached you and said, okay, I like that. Or if you like said, okay, this is available. And I then said, this is available. And, and both of them came to me, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, I, I've done deals on both pieces. Mm. Um, they, they're not paying full, full price on them. And that's because I want to get them out there. I want yes. people to see what this work can look like mm. and the scale of what things look like. And I've also been playing, there's this whole thing in, in, ja in Japan, the crazy eyes. And it's where they make like one eye a lot bigger than yeah. the other. There's yes. a weird sort of, which I've also been playing with a lot. Okay. So the, all of that together. So I've, I've wanted to put a few pieces together to show people just how cool this, yeah, this can, can be. Yeah. yeah, And I mean, they're full. They go from the bottom of the bottom yeah. right up to the neckline. Oh, wow. So they, it's the whole Massive, back, yeah. you know. Um, and it's huge. I mean, that piece is literally that size. Wow. Because you know? um, like for me, I've always like, um, like you want to get a tattoo. Like I don't have the creative... Well, that's you know, to come back. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. Is that I think I think sometimes it's also a lot of people um, want to get a tattoo, but they don't know what to get. They don't want to just go look at the flashcards and pick a tattoo. So I think sometimes they're also worried about how do they find a the right tattoo for them. You know? So you're saying that. I mean, that's why you guys are here. Is that yeah. I come to you and I say, hey, listen, I've got this motorbike and you know there's something about this motorbike that i really like i like the lines and, and you can say to me Absolutely. okay cool we can take those lines and, and mm. you throw out some ideas that, absolutely yeah. i mean if if a client's open you can put some really cool stuff together for them yes um clients have become very prescriptive pinterest has turned clients into oh, yes. artists like you can't believe <laughs> and i get like a, 10 pinterest images yes but what i say to people is like if you see something you like, mm. build a folder. Yeah. That's what I've always said to people, like, get on your computer, build a folder. Find, like, you see 50 things you like, put them in a the folder. Mm. Two weeks later, go look at the folder and throw out the stuff that you're not so kosher on. Close the folder, don't look at it again. Two weeks later, go look at it again. Then again, look at all the stuff and the stuff that you, mm, you kind of like, oh, is okay, but isn't great, get rid of. Mm. If you do that three or four times, you'll disseminate. Yeah. You'll get close to a core of the things that you like. Yeah. If you send me that stuff, then I will be able to ascertain kind of generally where your headspace is in mm. the kinds of stuff that you like and the style. Because everybody focuses on image, which yeah. for me is a big mistake. Okay. Don't, look, don't think about the image yet. Think about the style. Mm. So go and look at styles of Style, tattoo, yeah. the Western traditional, Oriental, Marcasian, mm. whatever the case is. Go look at that style of work. Immerse yourself in that style. Like once you've decided that is the style, go and you really into it, then we'll start to talk about the images that are important to you and how we can translate them in that style. The reason I say this. If you find a style that really resonates with you, that you really like, you can get anything, anywhere. And eventually, you could probably link it all together and it'll work. Yes. You know what I mean? You're not going to look like the proverbial smacked with a wet argus. You know what I mean? Yes. You know? Um, nothing speaks more of indecision 
than seeing people with blacked out arms. Mm. Yes. I like when a guy comes and like, you know, like I black out my arm and then add, I'm um, like already starting to backtrack. Because okay. already you're a litany of bad mistakes that you're now covering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have issues with that. No, I agree. Listen, we get tattoo artists have gotten better, everything's gotten better. So the ugly stuff sometimes has to be covered, but mm. it se sets off alarm bells. And yeah. it also sets off alarm bells when you see people have mismatched stuff because yeah. you're faddish. You're just going, oh, I like that now, and I like that now, and I like that now. I'm not suggesting that that's, that's wrong. wrong. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is it shows that you don't really get into any of these things. You're yes. just choosing it as you go. Go, yeah. And that makes my life a lot more difficult later when you arrive and you say, I want to tie this leg together, and I'm going like, Jesus, you've got seven styles on your leg. What the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know how to tie those things together. Together, yeah. You know, I mean, we can try, but, you know, it's a difficult thing, mm. you know. So... And I mean, do you find as a, as, as a tattoo artist that if you put your work out there, there's sometimes there's a line that you don't really want to cross because no, your no. work is going to be, you know, not you're not worried about that? No, not at all. Okay. First of all, if anybody takes my work, they're more than welcome to, to use it. I have no issue with people using it. Yeah. If that's how you feel, that that's what you want to do, that's yeah. cool. I've already moved on. Yeah. I like, know. Oh, sorry, maybe um, you misunderstood. You're talking about your, your designs that you've put yeah. out on the internet. No, I'm sorry, I'm saying what, um, if someone comes to you with, say, two styles, and you're now going to put your name on as, in other words, you're going to do a tattoo on them, but you can see the styles don't go together and someone, you, would you ever be concerned that someone was going to see your tattoo and they're going to ask them, okay, who did that tattoo? And then they don't see that they mesh well together. Or look, is that, look, you am know, I overthinking it? Um, no, not necessarily. No, I don't, I don't think you're overthinking it. I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, people don't, I don't think people are accustomed to looking at pieces. Okay. People will look at a body of work. Work, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think more more than often people will not show enough interest mm. in the specific piece. Yeah. But will make a judgment call on what you look like. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's quite rude because you don't know that person. But people yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean they'll look at you and they'll go like, fuck. Mm. Like that's a lot of shit on you, you know? Yeah. And you know, in today's in today's world, getting bad tattoos, there's no excuse for getting bad tattoos. Getting bad tattoos, yeah. There's no yeah. excuse. You know, like 30 years ago, if, you, if somebody got a piece of flash, it was quite acceptable. And it still is today. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't walk around thinking you've got a unique piece. Yeah. Because you did not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And our history is repeating designs. It's not, yeah. it's not this whole unique thing this is a thing of the past 20 years it's not yeah. and even not even past 15 years it's not it's not a an, it's a very new thing it's not an old way of tattooing mm. um, but having said that everything is evolving yeah and with the amount of information out there there really isn't room for a bad tattoo yes you know yeah so if you've gotten a bad tattoo chances are Probably the thought processes weren't discussed enough with you, and yeah. that's part of our education with clients. Yes. 
you know, um, and I, f I feel that a lot of that is not done. Mm. You know, there seems to have become this almost rock star mentality with tattoo artists. And I've always said to my guys, you're nothing better than a freaking hairdresser. You just do more permanent shit, that's all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're not, we're not rock stars. We're mm. not. We're just tattoo artists doing the best that we can for the clients that we have. Yes. And that's the other thing about tattoos is the onus is on the client to get the information. But the client can also be, can only be privy to information that he finds on the internet and that the artist gives him. Mm. And if the artist is not forthcoming, it's very difficult for that client to make the right decisions all the time. Yeah. And those decisions will only come through a litany of difficult, hard lessons learned in giving up skin to people. So it's, a, it's, it's very much a give and take area. Mm. You know? um, I do feel we have a responsibility. And uh, responsibility in educating and I do think that when people come to me with a design that is not good that I should be able to say to them listen there are issues with this design and these are the issues with that design mm. I do not think that this is going to work and these are the reasons I don't think it's going to yeah. work yeah and as long as you clarify that and the client understands that at the end of the day we're still in a commercial art form if the client insists after all of that my reputation doesn't mean shit if I can't eat. Mm. So I still have to work, right? <laughs> True. You know, so it's a commercial art form. I still yeah. have to make money. Mm. So I have to then kowtow to that client's needs. Mm. You know? Yeah. So understanding maybe good techniques that you can maybe just open stuff up or clean stuff up and mm. gently nudge. Nudge them along. Is yeah. also a very yeah. a thing that we need to learn. It needs mm. learning. But I do think that the more information we can give our clients, that's why we, we do a, a uh, appointment beforehand, like a consultation. Station, yeah. So that we can discuss stuff like this. Yes. Know? We can talk, oh, this is like problematic, we're going to have issues with this, you know. Ty everyone's into typography and everybody wants like the whole Bible in like a matchbox, you know. Mm. It's like the E's are going to close, the A's are going to close, the I's. Mm. The dot's going to disappear. Work, yeah. This stuff is not going to hold, you know. Yeah. And we're seeing so much of that now. Because yeah. guys go like, you know, eventually I can't talk to you anymore. That's what you want. That's what you're going to get. Good, you yeah. know? And we do it and that's the end of it. Yeah. And then the stuff looks like shit three years from now. But mm. <laughs> it's a commercial industry. Yeah, no fair enough. I mean? It's no not, fair. it's not. Yeah, you can like can't turn away a client. You know, what you're saying is you can't turn away a client away because uh, you don't think you know what I mean because they won't listen yeah yeah. you know what I mean you exactly, can't yeah. at the end of the day yeah. you've got got mouths to feed and a job to do you know yeah. um, and then going back to your your point that you were making about you putting your art out onto say Instagram and someone else taking it sorry I cut you off there just uh, uh, yeah I, you know a lot of people are very tense about like oh that was my design and and, and, and start, like I, there's nothing new under the sun Yes. And when people start to lay claim to stuff, it really gets gets on my nerves. You know mm. what I mean? Um, I mean, uh, I've seen guys going off about like this tattoo was done by this guy first. No, he wasn't. Mm. That that drawing, that tattoo inspiration came from a piece of work done by somebody else that was yeah. seen by somebody else that was passed down to somebody else and eventually assimilated by this guy, and he created that. 
And um, admittedly, that is something of his creation. creation. But it's not like solely, it's not a vacuum. Original. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. It's not a vacuum. Absolutely. So, you know, when, when people like go on about stuff like that, it's like, I've always said, like, I find it very flattering. That you would choose my work to cheat to take. <laughs> I find it's that true. very flattering. Because yeah. Um, <laughs> <I thought. laughs> yeah, and I'm not being facetious yeah, in any kind no, of way. Fair I mean, enough, I, I've worked long and hard in this industry to understand that, like any little bit of kudos you get for the work that you do, is great. Yeah, and I'll take it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Awesome. Um, and and the other thing is, you know, when people are taking stuff from me, I'm already like working on something new. You know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not using that as an opportunity to get ahead. Mm. I'm getting ahead in my own head already. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you're welcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Welcome. Uh. And nothing is. I believe strongly nothing is new under the sun. Yeah. It's just variations sure, of, of something and, else. Yeah. Opinions. Maybe. You know. Yeah. It's like you looked at it, made up, formulated an opinion, and went and did it that way mm. that matched his vision and in his head. And that's generally, I think, everything. You yeah, know? sure. And admittedly, we've seen a lot of this in the States, you know, mm. with these guys seeing each other over this design and that design didn't change, this didn't do that, or she got this and she's copyrighted. And I'm like, man, you people are such twats, you know. Because if you look at our industry, we started out copying everybody else's stuff all the time. All the time, that's yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. That's what we did. In the old days, that's what we did. Yeah. We didn't draw new stuff for people. Yeah. People weren't even open to getting something we drew. Yeah. They wanted that stuff that was on the wall. Wall, yeah. They didn't want okay, yeah. some of that stuff we'd drawn ourselves. But mm -hmm. they, if they walked into 10 studios and they saw that old style flash and they walked into yours and they found new stuff, they weren't going to get tattooed by you. Yeah. Gonna, you're, a, you're a weirder. They're not yeah. getting tattooed. Yeah, we're going to... Because that was the norm in those days. Yeah, That's yeah. what we did. You walked in, you chose a piece of flash, you got a tattoo, and you were happy yeah, exactly. with that piece of flash. Yeah, exactly, that, yeah. That was the whole thing. You know? yeah. That's the tradition, Western traditional tattooing. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah. The, as I said, once again, I think, I think the heads have gotten very big in the industry. Industry, yeah. You know, um, work hard, stay humble. It's just a very simple thing. There's a lot of talk about me and my character uh, and, and what I'm like as a person. But a lot of people who don't know me at all, you know. Mm. Um, but you, you yourself have a reputation, yeah. Oh, really? I have a reputation, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's fine, you know. I mean, once again, it, it's like that, that whole thing about being uh, copied. Mm. You know, if I'm, if I'm doing something that's making people talk about me, then... I'm obviously doing something right with it, good or bad. I don't. Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, there's no such no thing as bad publicity. Publicity, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I <laughs> suppose an, there is, but there is, but in general, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I look, you know, it's the as I said. The funny thing is, the stuff that's said. If anybody knows me, like, and has spent any time in the studio, they mm. know completely differently. You differently, know I mean? yeah. And um, there's this image of this biker and this tattooed crazy fucking person yeah. and that and I'm um, everything but mm. you know oh, it's yeah. not me but I think well I just think in terms of stereotyping people I mm. mean you see a guy on a bike with tattoos mm. already the, the you know mm. I mean I had an altercation with a guy in a restaurant just because I was beard earrings tattoos and he just didn't like the look at me mm. good kind of thing 
And You're from Joburg, eh? Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, no, well, born here, grew up in Joburg. All my family lives no, in the Cape. I find Johannesburg very <laughs> tense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, I grew up there. Yeah, I, mean, I grew okay. up in you know, I grew up in Mayfair and North. Oh, you know what I mean? so, okay, Mayfair. Like, oh, Mayfair. Yeah. Uh, up until I like I went to high school, I was we lived in Mayfair. Oh wow. Yeah, I went to E. P. Bowman Primary. Okay. Yeah, just below the Brixton uh, fire station. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, know exactly where that out, is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. quite rough, but. Look, I mean, in those days, it was a very Italian, uh, European neighborhood. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it had like a lot of um, immigrants that were staying there, mm. and, and so it was. It was very, in the, uh, what's the right word? Um, cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. Very, very cosmopolitan. Yeah. So it was a different time. I mean, it's just yeah. Uh, <laughs> I find I go to Joburg and I get like nervous. Oh really? Yeah, I do. I like okay. you know. I always, when I lived in Johannesburg, I always used to call this place Slavstadt, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Slavstadt, I'm never going to live with that. that. People are fast asleep and shit like that. And then I moved down here. And yeah. like, uh, yeah, going back to Joburg is, yeah, <laughs> it's difficult, man. I struggle, yeah. huh? you know, okay. the traffic, it's like, oh, where the fuck is everybody going? And in like, such a hurry. Yeah, and like, geez, do I have to sit in my car for 40 minutes just to get to the cafe? What the fuck, you know? I just mm. like... It's, I find it very tense. Yeah, I know. I find it very tense. Yeah, no, I think I think it's if you if you're there, you're there for the money and all that kind of stuff, and you're in the rat race, and and I think you settle into like a, a comfortable sort of method of, mm. of coping, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's what we do. Mm. That's what mm. the human. That's why we're such a great um, uh, species. proliferating <laughs> species because yeah. we adapt so well, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if you go and come back, it's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. I did a stint working at a friend of mine's flat, literally. You know, the Vida is in Greenside, those flats upstairs, yeah, yeah, those yeah. fancy flats upstairs. Yeah. Gave yeah. me his flat for, for like the week to work from. I would like, and I remember what it was like because my shop was around the corner. Just around the corner, yeah. And I would come down and I was like just alarmed at the litter. I mean, it had, it had like trebled, you know. And uh, the noise and the bustle and the, I was like, I was like hiding in the flat. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm just tattooing in the flat. Like I'd open yeah. up for people, go down to Vida, have a coffee and go upstairs and have them deliver food because I wasn't going out. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I came out at, at, uh, off the car train in, in Rosebank yeah. and I walked up those stairs and I didn't recognize anything. Anything, yeah. I was like, I don't like... Rosebank is all sealed off, and uh, I've just yeah. the mall, you know. It yeah. was I was completely bamboozled. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it is a different world. Well, I mean, it's look. I enjoy it up there. Mm. Um, prefer to be in Cape Town, but um, I seem to because I live in Roosevelt Park, which is just oh, around just the corner from, from, me, from yeah. Greenside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I love it. It's very nice and quiet, and it's easy for me mm. to get to the office and all that kind of thing. And um, Linden, which is just there on the border, is like becoming like the next Parkhurst because they're putting up new restaurants, new... So, I mean, I can I go to my local... I used to live on f at f 51 Fifth Street, Linden. Okay. Yeah, literally right. on, the, on the main road at the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My first house. Was oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very nice area and you don't really have to go very far to... Yeah. It's like Greenside or Emerentia yeah. or Roosevelt yeah. Park. Or Linden, you just roll out your out your door, walk down the road, gap a exactly. beer, come home. It's great. 
Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it is, it's not for everybody. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't, I don't miss it, mm. but I, d I do find sometimes I would get quite frustrated here. Wait, yeah, because yeah. things move a little bit slowly. Just a little bit, getting yeah. shit done sometimes is a little bit different. Yeah, because yeah. I, like, as a Joburg person coming down here, I'm very, like, I noticed yeah. riding a bike, the guys aren't using the indicators, they're driving too slowly, they're driving too fast. They, uh, the services crap in the restaurant, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. You know, everyone's laid back. That's fine. But I mean, just, I'm just like, it's you in my face. It, when it gets into production, when you're starting to do stuff. Yes. You know, and like, I put out quotes for a product. Mm. I put out, not quotes, I put out requests for quotes on a product. I sent everybody the diagrams and everything. Joba companies back literally latest was three days. Mm. The product's already in production with a Joburg company. I got a call today from one of the caterers. Oh, yeah. Companies. It's like almost three weeks later. <laughs> oh, we saw your quote and we responded. We were wondering what you think. It's like, I haven't responded to you because, quite frankly, I'm already in production. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you and the guy said, oh, there's no work. Well, no, you know what? Fast asleep the half time. Exactly. But that's not always the case. No, no. You know, it's not always the case. There's a lot of very good people working here, and there's a lot of people who actually get stuff done. But that was a perfect case in point. Point, you know? yeah. And I said to Nikki, like, I, I put out, like, about 12 requests. Mm. And of the 12 requests, only, only about six even bothered to get back to me. Crazy. Which I find amazing. And this is countrywide. Uh, mm. It's not just country. Yeah, just... Only six got back to me, and of the six that got back, the quickest one was a was a company in Joburg, and they're huge. Mm. They do like a lot of stuff. They were the quickest. They came back. They had the drawings were ready. They asked me if I could do like expanded view. I quickly did them, sent it to them. They're already putting the stuff together. Wow! And the yeah. price, literally, ten percent of what I was quoted from the company in Cape Town. Oh, ten percent wow. was quoted. Uh, the Johannesburg company quoted me 38 rand or 38 percent, no, less, it's 10 percent, 38 rand per piece. Okay. The company here, 300 rand per piece. Oh wow, holy cow. So I don't know no. what the disparity is and I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe they misunderstood something, but from what the quote says yeah. and what I expect to be getting, they're identical from each of them. And the one yeah. is 38, the other one is like 300. Um, yeah, talking to and, you. And, and one of the companies was over a thousand rand a piece. Mm. I said to Nikki, these guys obviously don't want to work. Because mm. this is like, I don't want the go yeah. away quote. Yeah, they go. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like, mm. we don't want to touch this guy, go away, please. Oh, well, it's fine. You know? Yeah, look, I mean, find, that's, find the right that's what we're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? And the nice thing is, this connection's made now. So, yeah. any other ideas that I have that fit this, this style of work that I want done, it's great. Yeah, I know what then. the expectation is, and I can do it, mm. and they've got it. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know how you offer time, because we, we were up for an hour and a half, more than. Great chatting. A lot of shit, yeah. It's fine, man. It's, it's going well. Yeah. But I, I'm taking up your time, so let's, why don't we wrap it up? I mean, I can okay. always come again, and we can chat again Anytime sometime. Anytime, if you like. Another. Yeah, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll come and get a tattoo, and then. Yeah, we'll talk through, have a podcast while you're getting tattooed. Yeah, yeah I'm actually going to yeah. do one with 
a guy at the end of October. We're doing that. So he's going to do a tattoo okay, for cool. me and we're going to do a chat. And all that. Yeah. So awesome, yeah. next time I'm down in Cape Town, maybe I'll, yeah, before I come, come we'll, we do it. we'll make maybe a plan. Maybe we can, uh, I'll be further down that bike and we can do a bit of a yeah. walk around that bike and see how we're going. Yeah. So just to wrap up, just tell me the, so you've, you've got your tattoo studio here. Yeah. You into bikes. So what do you do? Do you build for people or is it? I try not to. I try yeah. not to. I've, I've built two pieces recently for people mm. and uh, it's it's too stressful. Um, yeah. There's too much pressure and I just don't like to work that way. So what no, I do... No, you lose the passion. Well, no. I mean, it's not funny. Well, it becomes anymore. a job. You yeah, know, it becomes a job. It's not just creating. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I prefer to do is I'll build something that's like in my head. And mm. then if you like it, yeah, you it's, put it out there, welcome. someone likes it, then they can yeah. buy it. So. The reason I do what I want to do in my head is because if nobody wants it, I'm going to be riding it and I'm going to exactly. be enjoying it. Yeah. So um, that's that's the bottom line. Mm. Um, so what are you riding at the moment? At the moment I'm riding... Besides the scooter. <laughs> I'm just riding the scooter because I'm in transition. Yeah. I'm doing a very interesting thing and maybe I can bend your ear on that. Yeah, uh, sure. Go for it. January 2021, um, okay. I leave Cape Town. And I ride all the way up Africa, um, going through uh, the eastern side, all the way up to Cairo, then to Tunis, and then into Italy. Oh, wow. Then from Italy, we'll do the whole Riviera. We'll go through the Italian Riviera, the French, go down the Spanish, go all the way through to Portugal, Faro, and all the way up into France. We'll hit like some cool spots like Le Mans. And then I'll hit uh, Switzerland. There's some of the most insane mountain passes. I believe in, so, yeah. In Switzerland, we'll do those. I'll do those, and then I'll go out to Amsterdam. Uh, from Amsterdam, I'll go through Germany all the way up to Berlin, and then Stockholm, Copenhagen, Malmo, all the way through to Oulu, and then Tempere and Helsinki in Finland. And you're doing this on a bike? Adventure bike, yeah. Um, okay. I'll be taking my tattoo equipment, just Blackworks, and I'll just be doing black tattoos as I go, funding myself as I go. Wow. And um, literally surviving on that. I'm trying to find sponsorships and, and try and get as much as I can together. Uh, once I hit Helsinki, uh, depending on what time of the year it is, I'm hoping that it's early summer. If it's early summer, then I'll go down to Slovenia and then turn left and go over the Caspian into Russia and Mongolia, all the way out to Shanghai. And wow. then ship from Shanghai to San Francisco and then cross the US. And how long are you? Uh, I'm you taking a year. Penciling year. out? It also depends. It depends. Like if I get caught in. In Europe, uh, and it's late, mm. then I'll spend the winter in Europe and I'll tattoo mm. in a studio, any studio that I can find. And then as soon as spring starts to arrive, then I'm going to head out again. Wow. Um, it's, it, it's linked to, I'm a diabetic, so okay. I'm, uh, I want to raise awareness for diabetes. Um, I also want to document and write. Um, I do quite well at writing and, and, and uh, I want to tell the story of this trip and meeting people and tattooing them as I go um, through the world. It's, That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. like the last hurrah, you know, mm. um, just get out there and just experience. Mm. And, uh, That's fantastic. I'm planning to do it alone. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, 
get on and go and see where I go, you know, and just keep riding until there's no fuel and then tattoo and put fuel in and just keep riding. You know? Like <laughs> there's a lot to be said like relying on the kindness of strangers and being able to pay yeah, yeah. you know, with yeah. my tattoo. And you'd be and surprised like how well that could work. You know? Yeah. I just, you know, um, at the moment, that's why the transition of the motorbike. I, I'm, I'm looking for a Yamaha Super Tenere. Mm -hmm. I want to use that. It's a, it's a fantastic motorcycle. Yeah. It, it's adventure buyers is more on the road. Mm. And these days, most of those terrains are roads. Mm. There's, when you hit east of Mongolia and that, it might get more dirt roads. But from Africa, literally most of it is tarred now. Mm. Um, there's a very little of it's not all of Europe is tarred, so to, to, to get a bike that is like a really off-road adventure bike is silly. Yeah. You know, so it, it covers a lot of those boxes. I can put a lot of things on it. On it, yeah. can carry a lot, and um, that's what I want to do. That's we great. by satellite the whole time, mm. um, and I, I, want to, I want to do like a live feed. Yeah, sort of put cameras yeah absolutely. On yeah. And just constantly people can log in and see where I am and what I'm doing, and stuff like that the whole time. Mm. That sounds great. Eh? Yeah, so that's that's my plan. That's what mm. I'm working towards at the moment. Yeah. So okay. hence between motorcycles. Mm. But then, I mean, you, you talk January 2021 and we think, oh, dude, it's actually it's not, not that, that far, far away. Yeah. No, it's 18 months. Yeah, yeah, 18, 18 months. Yeah. Not even 18 Not even. Months. Not even. Yeah. So, yeah, the, and there's a lot. Like, I've been putting the, the maps together now. Mm. And, wow, it's just figuring out how I'm going to get through places like I got to go through Sudan and mm. um, well, well it's Sudan or Eritrea so and yeah. Ethiopia so mm. there, there are no good calls there you know yeah so it might mean detouring back west and then heading back up to Cairo yeah but even that is not so good because mm. you're hitting like Chad and places like that so, so. um I don't know you know there's this uh, woman called Joe Rust she did around Africa mm. on a bike solo. And what she did is she contacted all the motorcycle groups or associations or whatever in each of those countries and let them know she was coming and they assisted her to your, get through. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah. great. I think I'll probably pick, pick up on that and, and yeah. use that. Yeah, you like touch base with them. Mm. You know, you know what should I be aware of? What should I, yeah. Which road should I take? Exactly. What should I be yeah. aware of? You know, that kind of thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Because that's what I want to do is I want to take like a small little laptop or tablet mm. with me and the satellite that I can just, mm. you know, I'm putting like um, little converters on the bike as well so we can use the battery. I might even put another battery in, mm. you know, um, and that will charge on the charge, system yeah. as well. Yeah, that's great. I think yeah. it could be interesting. I think it could make for a great book. I think it may, and it covers a just lot life of... life experience for... You know, life experience. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, if anything, if nothing it, else, yeah. you'll, exactly. you'll you be know. telling that story for the rest of your life. You know. Yeah, and you know, like I, everyone is like, oh, it's dangerous, and aren't you afraid, and shit like that. And it's like, you know, what, like sitting around here is not. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can cross the road and get hit exactly. by a bus. Mm. And I was, I was actually, I was inspired by my brother this time being in Colorado. Okay. You've got to get out there and do shit. Mm. That's the bottom line. And it's a silly thing, like, uh, the, funny, the, the funny story. We got to his place in Colorado, and he lives up in the woods. Like it's, it's, it's like in the forest. Yes. 
So this is like this area out front, man, I don't like it. I want to build a deck or something. So I said to him, fuck, man, I watch those garden programs. How hard can it be? We put a couple of things down, we build a deck. Well, you know. well <laughs> a week later, we were like, we're finished, man. Uh, We've been on our knees for a week, hammering, nailing, drilling. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I could barely stand up some days. I mean, mm. I was like broken. We built a six by six meter deck. Yeah. And like halfway through found out that 10 foot poles aren't 10 foot. They're 10 foot two, 10 foot one. So everything that we did was skew. <laughs> and then when we put the deck on, the actual top deck, that's when things started to go like sour. But we actually finished it and it looks great. It looks okay. amazing. Yeah. But that was the whole thing. You know, that was the crux for me. It was like, Dude, if we had never done that, we would never have known what it was like to do that. Yeah. You know I mean? We wouldn't, I can, like, I wrote, a, like, I told people about, like, what Andy and I went through, and we were on the floor laughing at some, some nights. Mm. We were screaming at each other while we were trying to build it, but at the end of the day, we were laughing about the process of yeah. building this thing. And we still laugh about it today. He always says to me, how fucking hard can it be? And you're like, I shut yeah, up exactly. Up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, it's like, how hard can it be? You yeah. know? It's like, anyway, so <laughs> that process was pretty cool. And yeah. It, it worked that up in me. It was like, mm. you know, how hard can it be? You've got to get out there, got to go and do it, you know? Yeah. You're not going to have a story to tell if you don't go and do something. And not that one wants a story to tell, but. Why not? For yourself. You yeah, know? why not for yourself? For yourself no, absolutely. You know? I think, I think, and I think that's the thing is we, in this world with lots of social media and you know how people are projecting their lives and everything, it's like, do it for yourself, don't do it for anyone oh, else. Oh, absolutely. This, do it for I, mean, I want people to be able to see that it's doable. I want yeah, to see absolutely. I want pe and, and I want diabetics to see that you're not tied to a pump. You can actually, f you can, you can do this. You can actually mm. get out there and you can go and do this and you can. Because I need to, I need to get insulin to myself yeah, along absolutely. the way. And yeah, absolutely. I go through, I go through some Muslim countries. And I don't know how it, I'm going to fare carrying insulin. I might yeah. have to find ways around that. Yeah. Or, and I'm going to try and like work on eating plans that I need to mm. use a lot less insulin. You know, if I need it at all. So. Okay. Um, well, that's that's. I want to show people that you can do that. You can do you know, it, yeah. You can do that. You're not going to fucking die if you choose to go out and do something that is out there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's and then um, you, also, you said you also do leather work and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, but it's, is that like a formal thing or are you, gear, uh, or, you know, gearing up for that? Or? Some of the stuff has already been in production. I mean, we've mm. got like lanyards and key rings and all sorts of stuff that we do, you know. Mm. And uh, it's all embossed or uh, laser engraved and stuff, like fun stuff. Um, I'm trying to combine canvas and leather now, like a lot of people are, um, and doing these duffel bags that, oh, are, nice. that have these nice webbing straps that you can actually tie them to each other and them to mm. the motorcycle without them slipping and sliding. Oh, yeah. They're great for a Harley, for a sissy bar. Mm. You can uh, wrap them wrap around, it the around those uh, webbing uh, straps and stuff like that. So it makes life a lot easier mm. and a lot more fun, you know. Um, uh, at the moment, they're in khaki. Well, I'm working on like a green sort of military khaki mm. um, because it's the only canvas I've been able to find readily. 
But I, I think I'm going to go and find like a nice blue or a nice red even. Mm. Do them, you know, and I, I've thought about red because as it is, motorcyclists are, are not seen. So you can imagine this big red pack on the back of a bike, you're going to see it. You know? yeah. Yeah. So there's that. I thought of doing the webbing in something that fluoresces, but I'm not so sure about yeah. it. It's a bit cheesy. Mm. You know, you still want an element of style to the bag. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. And the small one is like a nice gym bag size. Okay. And then they get consecutive big, bigger. The, okay. the bigger, biggest one is an 80 liter one, so it's like really big. Mm. So that would fit like across the back of the bike and sit on top of two panniers, and it would fit comfortably on that. So it's really a nice big bag. You can get everything into it. You know? Oh, nice. Yeah. So have you got a website for that? or you um, just the, I'm busy building the new Greases website. Yeah. The old okay. Greases website doesn't have any of that on. Okay. Um, and I'm also waiting for production to finish on the prototype mm. so I can take some photos and put shit up because yeah. at the moment we don't have yeah, any yeah. of that. Um, these, are, these have just come out of prototyping um, and uh, we, we, we're making these. It's a nice thin light denim. You can wear it all year mm. round. Um, uh, I'm big into the prison stripe look. I yeah, think I it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's very like Japanese old school kind yeah. of gangster, but yeah, biker gangster kind of thing. But I, I love them. I think yeah, they're really great. fucking cool. You know, I actually was standing in Colorado in Durango, and this little old lady sidled up to me and she said, "So when did you get out?" I said, uh, "Scaled the wall last night." She said, "Good. Just don't get caught again." And off she went. <laughs> It's like just out of, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, yeah. You know? So talking piece. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. fun. Yeah. I, it was it was good. And I, mm. like I said, you know, we all we're all busy customizing. And yeah. This is my customizing. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Cool. Well, Milo, thanks so much. It's been a great, great chat. Well, if you've listened this far, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please don't forget to give me feedback. Um, it's always welcome. You can drop me a message on Instagram. So go follow me on Instagram, drop me a message and we can have a conversation. And the handle there is Bearded Fan Podcast. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time.